The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. How does 25-year-old two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo get drafted 15th overall in a weak draft class? Our own Adrian Wojnarowski investigates the twists and turns that led to a franchise and league-altering selection way back in 2013. A three-part series that tells this unique story, including interviews with individuals close to the process, as well as a one-on-one sit-down with Giannis himself. Check out the Woj Pod special, The Giannis Draft, wherever you find your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to a late-night edition of The Low Post podcast. And in fact, what will effectively be part one of a two-part Low Post Hoop Collective free agency draft trade bonanza orgy recap show or something with Brian Windhorst that I'm joined by in his closet. Brian Windhorst, how are you? This is my podcast studio, Zach. It may have been a closet at one time, but it is now a podcast studio. Sure. Um, so uh, f- trades have been allowed, wink, wink, for nine and a half hours. And so far, Chris Paul got traded to Phoenix. Uh, Dennis Schroeder got traded to the Lakers. We may never, we may not even talk about Dennis Schroeder getting traded to the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, James Harden might be maybe kind of in trade talks it's sort of unclear uh and we are already spinning off and running to what promises to be maybe the most frenzied eight day period like in the history of the nba how are you doing um zach so i know you're a note taker you have all these notebooks and everything um there they are i have been on the phone with executives five to ten hours a day for the last eight or nine days I usually can keep all of the rumors and stuff that I'm hearing straight without taking notes. I have now started to take notes because I have to remember who told me what. Um, And it is, this is, I've never been so awash in conversations and rumors and speculation. And this guy's talking to that guy, this guy, blah, 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 in my 18 year NBA career. And I wish I could just spill it all right here. I can't because there would be damage that would be done, but I've never had more stuff. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I, I always have, um, I always have Google spreadsheets where I track, you know, all my, all my notes and stuff like that. But, um, I, it also probably a lot of the stuff is like 80% true or 60% true or 90% true. Some of it is a hundred percent true. So it's, it's, it's hard to, this I've is only the, written one story. And that was last week when I wrote about Chris Paul potentially being a son. So I feel okay about my, so far, I feel okay about my batting average, but I'm trying to keep it high. Keep it high. Uh, Well, let's talk about James Harden because Woj just dropped about 15 minutes ago a new report advancing this story. James Harden, uh, who I did, frankly, did not even realize was eligible for an extension because he's he's like the Brad Stevens of players where he just keeps getting extension on top (laughs) of extension where I lose track of it. Uh, The Rockets extended him in 2016. Then again in 2017, uh, he turned down a two-year $103 $103 million extension, according to Woj, turned down the chance to be the first $50 million a year player in the NBA and told the Rockets, no thank you, Tillman. I don't want your money. I want to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this is, I, I mean, I guess it's not surprising. James Harden's going to make a huge amount of money no matter where he goes, barring some sort of traumatic injury. So, I mean, I'll just, I'll just put it to you this way. 
what's the most interesting part of this story to you? And I'll give you three choices and you could do none of the above. Is it A, should the Nets trade the mother load for James Harden? B, should Houston take that offer if it's indeed ever offered to them? Or C, and I'm already starting to get these text messages again from executives and coaches around the league. Um, player empowerment is out of control. The league has to step in and do something about this. Being on a team doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, that's a whole fraught discussion that we can get into because I do think it's important. Or is it D, none of the above? I think this is a study in leverage. And it's a study in team building. Um, it's a very uncomfortable study in both of those things for the Houston Rockets. Um, but look, this is what Daryl Morey thought. I, I, did you think it was going to happen this fast? I, I, I think we all thought this might happen short term, medium term. Daryl certainly did. Did you think it would happen this fast, Zach? In my preseason column from last season where I make my crazy predictions, I said there would be James Harden trade buzz by the trade deadline of this coming season. But I was not expecting it to be this this aggressive and this fast and certainly not this targeted. The Brooklyn thing, although when you zoom out and look at it, makes a lot of sense. Um, I did not necessarily – I've been so focused on Beal – and Brooklyn and Drew Holiday and Brooklyn that the Harden thing sort of just somebody in that Google spreadsheet like three weeks ago said, why wouldn't Brooklyn just offer everything for James Harden? And I kind of was like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of never thought of that. And they just boom, here we are. You know, it's actually kind of funny as a quick little side note. If you're Brooklyn, you've probably been saying, all right, we're, we're holding back Karis LeVert. We're holding him back for Bradley Beal. We're going to make our Bradley Beal move when the oh, Drew Holiday, huh? Maybe we should do this. Uh, maybe we should think about Drew Holiday. Oh, James Harden. Like it keeps, uh, you know, the prizes keep getting bigger if you're a team like Brooklyn or you're a team like Philadelphia, who I think, you know, theoretically could be in the game for all of these guys. Um, so first off, it's important to realize James Harden has two years left on his contract. I know that everybody, people have been saying three, but year three is a player option. So it's two years and about $84 million left on his contract. And when Houston offered him this two-year $103 million deal, which is, you know, that's how I would say it if I was Houston. But really, it was, James, pick up your player option for year three and then add two more years to it. That's important, number one. That's a very good point. We have to understand the leverage position. So he is on the Supermax, which is meant to um, keep the leverage position. And, you know, it's interesting. I wonder, you know, I wonder how Giannis feels as he's looking at this right now is, you know, what he's thinking about because he has about a month to decide on his super max. I think he's going to decide a lot sooner. And uh, I think um, there's a lot of warmth in Milwaukee right now. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but it's interesting because the study in the Supermax, the, the point is that the Supermax is supposed to be so much money and so long that it's supposed to tie you. It's supposed to tie franchises to their players. But here is an example of where James Harden is saying, I don't think so. And so is two years long enough for the team to, to hold the leverage, Zach? That is a big question. Is two years long enough? Can they look at James Harden and say, James, we've got you for two more years. We are not going to trade you. Uh, for, for Kyrie Irving with Cleveland, the answer was no. This, is a, this, is a, this was a touchstone moment. Kyrie had two years left on his contract. And the Cavs heard the trade demand and said, all right, we're going to trade you. And the, and the precedent was set that it's not just one year. I mean, with Anthony Davis, it was one year. This is two years. So what happens now? And then I think in the team building leverage, the team building study, if you're Houston, 
And I thought this was going to be the case before Harden asked for the trade. You either trade Russell Westbrook and James Harden and probably P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington. You either trade them all or you trade none of them. And I don't, you know, trading none of them is going to require, uh, frankly, cojones and equity that Raphael Stone and Stephen Silas, while they may grow on to be the second coming of Phil Jackson and Red Auerbach, for all I know, today they don't have that equity. So I, that's a that's a hard one. But to me, Houston's either either ripping it down. I don't think they can trade Eric Gordon, but they can trade everybody else, or they're holding the line. And I'm sure these are the discussions that they're having right now, Zach. Well, I'm glad you brought up Kyrie Irving because you've gone to see player empowerment as discussion point um, number one. And I, I think just as it was when Kawhi Leonard basically got Paul George to request a trade with two years left on his contract to go to the Clippers – it feels like 10 years ago. That was actually quite recently. Um, but the team was, uh, the team, the team wasn't necessarily against that. No, no, it, they were not. Um, and, and the thunder. And I think that's part of the point. So my, my thing with the, with the trade demands or the trade requests, and by the way, we can't even say that Harden has done that here. Can we, I don't even know because you can get uh, fined for not, that. It's not a hundred percent clear. It, it, there's a whole game of semantics just about that, but the whole pushing out of a situation after signing a contract in that situation it, it strikes some people as unsavory. My And I wrote a big column about this after the Kawhi PG thing. My thing has always been a, a trade request to me just evens the balance of power. It doesn't tilt the balance of power unfairly to the player side. These are players who get drafted to a place where they have no choice. Then they're restricted free agents. Then they're underpaid on the max contract. And by the way, their teams can trade them at the drop of a hat without telling them anything. No notice at all. So a trade request to me has never struck me as like, oh my gosh, the system is out of whack. The players are running the league. Um, then you get into other murkier territory where when you do sign a contract with the team, I do think you make you, you make some commitment to the team. Now, the team teams don't have to honor that years-long commitment to you. They can trade you. But Kyrie Irving, it was reported at the time, never really nailed down. He denied it, that he threatened the Cavaliers that he would have knee surgery at the beginning of training camp if they didn't trade him somewhere that was on his list that ended up being the Celtics. You've seen um, Jimmy Butler throw a one-man rebellion to get himself out of Minnesota. Um, whatever happened with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio, I don't know, but it depressed his trade value enormously. That's the kind of stuff that treads toward... Breach of contract is probably too strong, but treads towards certainly a violation of sort of the ethics and the, and the, and the spirit of sports. The Harden stuff uh, is not there for me yet. And and also to your point about Kyrie Irving and, and to the point about Paul George, like the agents will always tell you, we're doing you a favor by requesting a trade early because it's better for you, the team, than having this guy walk for nothing. And I actually think with some exceptions, including San Antonio selling preposterously low on Kawhi Leonard because the market just wasn't there, um, I actually think that's been proven true. Even teams that have been backed into a corner, like Harden maybe trying to back the Rockets into a corner now by saying, I only want to go to one place, maybe two. Nobody else should even bother. I have two years left on my deal. That seems like a long time. It's not. Ask Boston about how quickly Kyrie Irving was out the door when they had two years left on his contract. Even those teams tend to do pretty well 
when they're trading players of hardened stature. Most recently, the New Orleans Pelicans got the mother load from the Lakers when he only was, Anthony Davis was only going to the Lakers. But I do think this is an interesting discussion. And to your point, the way to make this discussion productive is to think about if you think this is a problem, the answer is not just, well, tie the players to the teams like the old days. That's not fair and it's not going to happen. It's things like, should Houston have more flexibility with the extension it can offer um, James Harden? It's, it's, should Supermax players, should you have different levers maybe with Supermax players? Because to some degree, the owners made this mess themselves. They fought for shorter contracts because they were afraid of the seven-year, six-year David Lee contracts. They wanted to save themselves from themselves. And this David is Lee part, just took a bullet, man. Jeez, well, David Lee. They just they they wanted to save themselves I mean, from themselves, and this is yeah. partly what they have wrought. They have wrought this this culture of short term churn, churn, churn. So look, uh, Ricky Rubio signed a three year contract. Probably bought a beautiful home in Phoenix. Said this is going to be my team, and the Suns said you're send you're being sent to Oklahoma City. Maybe traded again. Danny Green signed a two year deal in Los Angeles. I know he got a ring, but he's been sent packing. As you said, it balances the power. I mean, in the reality is, especially in the entertainment business or, you know, whether you are the absolute top end of any rare profession, be it a plastic surgeon, a neurosurgeon or a, a high powered lawyer, uh, the contract is over when the talent says it's over. Um, we see this in the entertainment world all of the time. And uh, it's just the reality of it. Um, now Houston has to deal with it. Now, in the postmortem, when this is all over, we can say whether Houston, how much Houston contributed with some of the decisions that were made. Um, but they, the, you know, there is always the Kobe method, which is the Lakers told Kobe, no. Now they had talks, you know, you know, the famous thing where he thought he was a Chicago bull. Um, they talked to people. I think he talked to the, was it the Pistons maybe too? I you know, there's been good stories over the years about how close Dr. Bus was actually to trading Kobe. Um, but basically they told Kobe, um, training camp starts, uh, September 29th. We'll see you there. And, uh, you know, it worked with Dwight Howard too, although ultimately Dwight Howard left Dwight Howard asked for the trade, and the Magic said, no, we're not going to trade you. And he ended up doing a one-year extension, picked up his option. He got traded anyway, but it has worked the other direction where they just say no. So that is an option here. Um, the Rockets could just say no. And James Harden then has another set of options. He could basically stop playing. And that's the scenario right there that I could tell you begins to take me into territory and look the rockets can find him they never will because unless it's really ugly and the bridges well just burn he can you don't, come you don't... to the games he just can go on a, a strike that's the situation that i know the league is not for Harden specifically just in general when they start talking about player empowerment and sort of like what's the end game what's the extreme that's the kind of scenario that worries them a player of zion williams uh skill set taking the qualifying offer if he wants to get out of New Orleans, let's say. And that's not going to happen. I'm just making that up because the qualifying offers are so high. That's the kind of thing that makes it, that gives them some pause. Uh, we're we're far from that territory here. I think James, James loves to play. They, he's an absolute Iron Man. If Houston right. keeps him, James is going to come play. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, the interesting thing here in this game of chess is so. Look, uh, you know, H- Houston lost their GM, lost their coach, talked to some high-profile coaches, ended up hiring a first-time head coach, a guy that I've known for 17 years. I'm not going to say a bad word about Stephen Silas. I think he has a great chance to be a coach in the league, but clearly. That wasn't what James Harden wanted to see. James Harden was working out in Southern California with Kevin Durant, and I believe Kyrie. I know for sure Kevin Durant. Did James Harden make it clear what he wanted to see from the Rockets coaching search? (laughs) I mean, they were in touch. How could they not be in touch? Okay. Uh, And um, coming out of that workout, like how long ago? I know you broke the story, but how long ago did you hear James Harden to Brooklyn? How many days ago? Not not very many days. Less less so than than um, Woj and Ramona, I think. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I heard it a number of days ago. And guess who else heard it? Russell Westbrook. And so I think Westbrook, who's kind of the forgotten man here, I think he goes in and is like, you know, you're not asking for a trade. I'm asking for a trade. Um, and so I, I think uh, in the postmortem, it might have been Harden that moved first. Um, well, I've I've heard no traction anywhere for Russell Westbrook right now. No serious traction of any I kind. I mean, like, I'm just going to say something, and this is not my opinion. This is based on my conversation, conversations with people all across the league at every level. From yeah, owner, you, you and I have been doing the same thing, calling all these teams like, you want them? You want them? Right. You from want owners em? down to regional scouts, Okay. Victor Oladipo and Russell Westbrook do not have trade value right now. Part of the reason, it's not that they don't think that they're good players, but it's their contractual situations. One, Oladipo needing an extension or a new contract, and Westbrook having all of this money on his contract. It's not the same. But like Oladipo coming out and saying, I want to stay in in, uh, Indiana, whether that's true or not, Vic, you're going to have to stay because they couldn't trade you even if they wanted to. I mean, they could like they could trade Russell Westbrook by midnight tonight if they wanted to. They couldn't trade him for value, right? You know, like people are people are talking about, uh, you know, Charlotte being a possible landing spot, and they're talking about do they include the number three pick? No, or, no, no. It's no. a laughable question. The number three pick is off the table, on the floor, out the door. Like they would get like Nick Batum. I I okay? actually that, I that's actually. The value. Uh, by the way, I haven't heard that same noise about Charlotte. I mean, I'm sure Charlotte has had a, a yeah, meeting about it. To, just but... to be clear to the aggregators, I agree. It, that that's you know that's been said. I'm just making a. I'm just saying like people are people are making up trades like well maybe maybe you know maybe you could get these six first round picks or these three all stars. I'm like dudes, there is like again he could be traded. Like John Wall could be traded tomorrow. It's not about. It's not probably, about the probably for probably for Russell Westbrook, <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying. Like um, Blake Griffin, you know, could he be traded? Yeah, maybe for Russell Westbrook. Okay, so my point is the va- the the perceived value, not of them as humans, not of them as basketball players, but of the player basketball the the player contract health package. There's just very tepid interest for the ones who get it done. Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe 
and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Let's get back to Harden because he's, he's, I mean, this guy finishes in the top three of the MVP race every year. I mean, these guys just don't, this is like, I was gonna say, these guys don't become available except now they do. Kawhi was just available not long ago. Um, so, so here's the Nets offer. Here's the best Nets offer. Here, no, it's not the best Nets offer. Here's the offer that is a lot that the Nets, I think, would not just say out of hand, we can't do that. Levert, Allen, Dinwiddie, all three have to be in it. Some salary filler to make the math work, minor salary filler. The 19th pick in this draft, which they have from Philadelphia, I think, I can't even remember anymore. 2022 unprotected. 2024 unprotected. So that's the furthest you go out, 2024. Okay, so there's no 2026, 2027. And if I'm Brooklyn, I make hard and pick up his player option as part of the deal. And I'm not done. And in the in-between years, 2021 and 2023, pick swaps. That's the Brooklyn-Boston uh, yes. model, so, which, so, which, was, which was repeated by Oklahoma City. So my question is, so again, I think if, if these teams ever really engage, I think part of the fight will be Houston will want those unprotected picks to be 2025, 2026 out there because Durant, Harden, Irving will be old and the Nets have that same downside risk. You're talking about the one that came back to bite them in the ass with the Celtics and the Nets will probably push to say, no, we want it all sooner. And here are the scenarios. So that's that offer is where I sort of mentally coalesce three first, two swaps and those three players plus filler. What What's do you Philadelphia's th- offer? Philadelphia's offer uh, down the line, down the line. I don't think it's the offer now. Okay. Philadelphia is offered, and that's the pertinent question because the pertinent question is: Should Houston... I don't think there's even been an offer by anybody. No, there hasn't. There hasn't. Okay. There hasn't. For, just for the record, not that, that, not that I know of. Uh, but the the question: So that Nets offer should it ever exist? You obviously have two questions: A, should the Nets actually offer that much for James Harden? And B, should the Rockets take that offer? Follow up to B: What's the rival offer? Who? Are, what's the competitive offer? We can get into that, but the most obvious one is Ben Simmons for James Harden. Which I do think if Philly's if Philly senses okay, we've just reached Ben Simmons just, and what? Ben Simmons is no, not an and MVP. nothing. And nothing. If I'm Philly and nothing. I if I'm Philly, if I'm putting more than Ben Ben Simmons is twenty four years old, he just made the all NBA team. You're not getting a better player than Ben Simmons for James Harden, I don't think. Okay. Um I I, I, I might eat well. Maybe a second. Maybe a second. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay, done deal. That was that's that's why that pushed it over the line. Um, so when you look at a player like Bradley Beal, who may or may not become available in the next six months to a year, in my view, Bradley Beal, a you know, he's an all NBA. He was an all NBA player on my ballot. Um, all NBA player is an all star on my ballot. Wing player, he probably fits. How many out of 30 teams right now? How many out of 30 teams could bring in Bradley Beal and he would be a really good fit? 30. Okay. How many teams right now? Forget about 
you know, what the compensation have to be. How many teams does James Harden fit in where he fits in the way they want to play? He fits in with their other star players, where he fits in with the philosophy of the organization. How many are we talking about? Less than thirty, but more than I think you're implying. I mean, I the guy, the guy's a top top six player on earth. I think it's single digits. I mean, I, in practical terms, sure. Like the Pistons aren't trading for James Harden. I get what you're saying. Do the Pistons want to have an have a have a, a game where James Harden dribbles the ball twenty two seconds per per possession? Well, this is the question that Brooklyn will have to face is can he play normal basketball ever again? Has his brain been warped and rewired to, by the by the cot not coddling, but by the fact that the Rockets just let him do whatever he wanted that he can't even look if if Brooklyn pulls this off, he's going to be the lead ball handler of the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to hit, dribble the ball more than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. He's going to run the most pick and rolls, but when he, other people get to do stuff is James Harden eating popcorn in the front row by half court, or is he actively engaged doing stuff on offense when he runs his pick and rolls as he's flying off a dribble handoff into a pick and roll, like all that stuff he's done. Does he still have it in him? If the answer to that is yes, I actually think the fit on offense is a lot smoother than the, the, the jokes they're saying, well, they're, they're, are they going to play with two basketballs, blah, blah, blah. Now is Kyrie Irving going to be happy about that? You're going to have to sell him. It could go badly. Then we can talk about the end game with that down the line. But offensively, they would be an absolute juggernaut. Um, to well, me, let me just say, point something out about Kyrie and James Harden. They were close in their Team USA days, which is years ago, but there is a relationship there. And it did, you know, Durant was with them in Oklahoma City. Kyrie and Harden were very close in their Team USA days. Another Team USA super team possibility. Can I just say? Something that is ridiculous. <laughs> they they don't... It doesn't remind me of the 2008 Celtics because these guys have all had um, some drama around them and obviously no one has ever played basketball like James plays basketball. But there is a certain, like, they all have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. Like, Durant knows... Nobody counts my Golden State championships. Nobody counts them. Now, will they count these? I, if they ever, uh, I to... count them. I think they are. Well, okay. Nobody's an exaggeration. You're a very nice person. You count them. I count them too. Reasonable. I, reasonable. Kevin Durant people... doesn't have to apologize to do you anybody. Weigh, for do those you weigh them? Do you weigh them? No, absolutely not. Okay. The team that the that the Warriors, the Cavaliers team that the Warriors built in two, beat in 2017 was the best team LeBron team. James has ever been on. Okay, so nobody was an exaggeration. Well, many maybe not don't. the maybe not the second championship team in Miami, but many people don't. <laughs> okay, okay? Um, Kyrie made one of the greatest shots in NBA history. That's LeBron's team. It's always going to be LeBron's championship. And James is just you know, we're we're reaching the point where you expect him to go two for eleven with eight turnovers in like an elimination game. Like they all have something to prove. I'm like weirdly optimistic that all these one ball ego stuff. I'm like I'm more worried about a defense. And B, the difference between Beal and Harden is five years, okay? And Harden is going to want a max at age 33. And if it's like a four or five-year max, the back of that could be painful. So you're putting an enormous amount of pressure on on those first two years that he's in Brooklyn if they ever pull this off. And, and that's where the Beal thing is like, it's not a no-brainer to give up the mother load for Harden just because I might be able to give up the same stuff for Beal and that's a smoother thing. Or I could give up a lot less for Drew Holiday 
who fits like a to a T, not as sort of raw supernova talent as the other two. The, or the, the Pelicans or, are getting the Pelicans are getting screwed by this. This is depressing bitters for them. Or if I get too cute and I'm the Nets and I start haggling and I turn the Rockets off, and again, none of this has actually happened yet. Um, I run the risk of losing out on all of them because Michael Porter Jr. is the trade ship that no one can beat for Bradley Beal, I don't think. I agree, um, but Porter, but Denver's talking like, and it may be a bargaining position, Denver's talking like uh, prime Michael Jordan is the only thing they're trading Michael Porter Jr. for. He is, he is, they are, they are, they are blaring out speakers out of the Pepsi Center. What's it called now? Uh, I, I don't know. Something else. Michael Porter Jr. is untouchable. Well, look, they're not trading him for Drew Holiday. We'll see what happens down the line. Um, By the way, I think Denver, if if this stalls Brooklyn and Philly, I think Denver has has a shot at Drew Holiday. I I think I've always think thought they've they, had a shot they, at Drew they, Holiday. They had conversation. I, I didn't quite understand until recently how close they had conversations on trade deadline day. You know, sixteen years ago, um, between Denver and and, uh, and New Orleans, and they got somewhat close. Yeah, people like to use football analogies um, for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Nobody knows exactly, but but but, but, if, but if, you know back, they were there before. Is what I'm saying. Back to Brooklyn. If you get too cute, you could miss out on everyone. And now you could just say, "Well, there's just going to be another disgruntled star coming around the corner." But uh, Jared Allen's about to get expensive. Karis Levert is now expensive. Spencer Dinwiddie's <laughs> about to be a free agent. Like the clock is ticking on some. If they of these. if they sign Serge Ibaka, let's just take that out. But you know, Serge Ibaka has been has been um, tied to Brooklyn, regardless of Harden. If they sign Serge Ibaka and they don't extend Jared Allen, Jared Allen is going to be like, get me out of here. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, they may want to trade Jared Allen now. Well, I'm the- just saying there there is a world where you get too cute and you miss on everyone, which, by the way, maybe that's fine. You still have a really good team. All right, let me uh, just say this. One thing I really like about this is that Harden – is as you said, an Iron Man. The guy plays like seventy-seven games every year. Okay, Kyrie Irving is not, and Durant has injury history. Although I hear in the workouts he looks great, which is not a surprise because his body type. I mean, he doesn't even have to jump. If he never jumps again, he will still average. He can still average thirty and seven. Um, Here is my concern about Brooklyn. I am concerned that Kyrie and Kevin Durant, two men who won championships but could never be happy, I am concerned about the two of them staying happy together. Now you would be bringing in, and boy, would it, I mean, there would be, you know, virtual parades uh, down Flatbush Avenue. There'd be so much excitement about this. But even if James Harden, who, by the way, has had a bad breakup with Chris Paul, and is now headed towards a bad breakup with Russell Westbrook. Huh? I don't think he's necessarily, you know, winning the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year award. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's say they get into a to a room, and they they sing Kumbaya or they do a blood oath or whatever there is, and they're like, guys, we are going to work together. No one's going to get in, you know, all for one, one for all, three amigos, three musketeers. We're going to do it. Let's do it, guys. And they go, one, two, three, team. The nature of these three guys is they could walk down the hall and Kevin, Kevin Durant could decide he's not happy and this isn't working. Kyrie Irving, his work in the community is 
spectacular. He is establishing himself as a true humanitarian. The wind blow, the wind changes direction and Kyrie Irving's mood changes. This is just true. This is a man who said, I want to have my number in the rafters in Boston and then made a commercial about it and decided like 20 minutes later, I am out of here, gentlemen. And my that's my thing here is, regardless of like what schematic Steve Nash could draw up, and my God. How about Coach Steve Nash, by the way? I mean, I went I, over I, I'm like, oh, that's a thing. I would want. I really would like to. I would really wonder what he's thinking about this. So, so yeah. you nailed it with the injury. Th- so the the big two versus big three thing is just one of these fascinating ongoing debates, and it's a little facile because there's just so many shades of gray. And how, like, what were the Raptors that won? Were they a big one? Were they? Did they have five really good players? What were they? You know, um, the Nets have a big two right now, but it's not like a Jordan Pippen, Shaq, Kobe big two like Durant. Is, is that Kyrie's not that. And to me, the ultimate argument that wins a lot of these big two versus big three debates is the insurance against one of the stars getting injured. If you get three stars and one of them gets injured at the wrong time in the wrong playoff series, you still have a chance. If, you have, t- if you have two stars and one of them gets injured at the wrong time in the wrong playoff series, you are done. Much like the Thunder were done the year they traded James Harden and Russell Westbrook ran into Patrick Beverly, or actually Patrick Beverly ran into Russell Westbrook. Meanwhile, the the year before the the Miami Heat, you lose Bosh for a a series and a half and keep their head above water. So that is ultimately, it's not the trump card in every case because every case is different. But in a case like this, to me, that trumps the concerns you'd have about filling out the roster, about depth, about culture, about fit, all of which are very legitimate. But again, Brooklyn, the longer it goes, the more competition they're going to have. Philly is the obvious one. Do you have any other uh, theoretical Harden trades you like? First off, there's a whole bunch of teams holding their 2021 game plans waiting for news out of Milwaukee. Okay? That's true. And let me just say that my feelings on this, because I don't want to be, I don't want to get in trouble. My feelings on what might happen there have changed in the last two months. Okay? And were I teams that were planning on Giannis being available, I might develop my backup plan a little bit quicker. I've given up trying to read the room because okay, fine. I, I go fine. back and forth. I, I just, so, I just, I've settled on. I just don't know. So let me just tell you a team that has assets. They don't really have the pick situation, but they have assets. It's the Miami Heat. To get Harden, they can't make the same offer as Brooklyn. Well, that's interesting because I have referenced this conversation I've had with the GM a bunch of times about like who's the blue chip young player the Rockets could get for James Harden because that's the when you trade a player of this caliber that's the first thing you ask for who's twenty five and under and a legit true blue star okay and we crossed off a lot of them because you know Harden's thirty one he has this idiosyncratic style you have to be ready to win a title now and more than more importantly than that. If you trade everything for James Harden, you have to have a team for James Harden to play with when he gets there, which means you have to have at least one other really good player still there. If you trade everything for him and your team is like James Harden and nothing, he's just going to walk in two years. Um, I don't think the Heat would put Bam out of bio in a James Harden deal. I agree. And so I just don't know, Are th- what are they trading then? 
Anything else? Including Butler? No, no. Butler and Adebayo are out. Everybody, anything else? I'm not sure I see it then. They have some assets. There's no quite. They do have some assets, but um, that's why Simmons. We centered that conversation around around Simmons. I mean, the obvious ones are Boston could trade Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and a bunch of picks. Not sure that will ever get in play. No, I'm asking for Jason Tatum. I'm not saying they're no, giving Tatum's it to him. A, Tatum's a no. Tatum's a no. This is well, what then, this is what well, that conversation. Well, then, but Boston's well, hanging up the phone. Oh, I'm saying, like, if or if Houston says add a bio, then you say, okay, well, I, good luck to you. Yeah. If you know, and this is why you don't want to be in this position. This is what our if, friend, our friend Bill Simmons. Four quarters don't make a dollar. What if the Pelicans down the line offered Ingram and a bunch of draft picks, including some of the Lakers draft assets and maybe a couple other nice things? That's, I mean, it's that's, it, that's, it, that's it's kind of interesting. interesting. I, but I, I don't the rules on Brandon Ingram being traded. Oh, it's I very think complicated. That's why it has to be down the line. I don't I don't really see that happening. You know, like the Wolves could offer D'Angelo Russell and the number one pick in the draft, whoever they take. Like that's not insane. Um, but I, I it does seem like. It, will it better happen fast because people, people in the number one pick, you know, not everybody feels the same way. And the picks being made tomorrow. Or, I know you, you drive know, the drive the car off, drive the car off the lot. Um, it does feel like it's going to come down to Houston just holds the line. Brooklyn offers enough draft equity, and Ben Simmons. But you know, we'll see. I'm sure Philly would love to get him without trading Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. I just don't see any plausible way that that even if you offered every pick and every swap i don't really see um a workable deal there this is a boy oh boy did we miss anything on harden you wanted to hit i mean zach i'm in i'm in a disagreement with you about the number of teams that are prepared to have a 31 year old james harden to find the way you asked me how how many he would help or something like that okay well maybe you can how many teams want to play and again it's not personal it's never personal with james it's the way he plays i i just don't think there's going to be that many i just don't think there's going to be that many no almost no matter where he goes he will have to resume playing basketball and not james ball and like we'll see i assume that when when no when those guys were working out together in la and they hatched this plan or who knows when it was hatched but when this started rolling I assume that was discussed. One would hope. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? Full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills, 
or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Can we turn to Chris Paul now? Yeah. Because Chris Paul, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest point guards of all time, did just get traded to the Phoenix Suns. Two years left on his deal, a lot of money, something like $90 million. Um, for 85.5, I think. Oh, thanks. Uh, for Kelly Oubre... Ricky Rubio, and a 2022 first-round pick, top 12 protected, I believe. Top, top 12 first-year, top 10 second-year, top 8 third-year, unpro- unprotected year four. So it's an encumbered pick. It means Phoenix can't trade a pick for a while. So so let's just start here. What Sam Presti has done, it almost makes me uncomfortable how obscene it is. It's just obscene. So he takes Russell Westbrook and he says, I'll flip you him for Chris Paul. You got to give me two picks, top four protected, two pick swaps, lightly protected. So I've got four draft assets for that. Taking on this untradeable Chris Paul contract. He then flips Chris Paul for another first round pick. I think Kelly Oubre will net a bad first at some point during the season. His team's jockey for trade deadline help. Maybe not. Maybe so. We'll see. Like, it's just... It's just obscene. It's 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 not nice. It's obscene. And like, look, he's doing the process, right? He's just stripping everything to the studs. They still have Shea Gilders Alexander. Steven Adams is still there. I get it. Lou Dort. My boy Lou Dort is still there. Okay. But like, he's stripping everything to the studs. And, th- and now the fun part is like, next is the hard part. Like this, yeah. this isn't the easy part bec- because he's done an incredible job leveraging teams at the right moment. But you can win every trade. When you're when you're trading only for the future, yeah. the hard part is building the actual team. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, it's what the it's what the Celtics did. You know, and they've done okay. Um, here's what's you know that's for, that's for podcasts for three years from now. Here's what's first off. If I told Sam Presti, I guess not one year ago, but if I told Sam Presti. In mid-July 2019, that he would flip Chris Paul for a first-round pick and players that could yield more. I mean, even though Sam keeps everything very, very close to the vest, he would have said that, you know, there's no way that's happening. When one of the reasons why they immediately came out and said we're keeping Chris Paul is because they didn't want to have to trade him away and actually give things away to get him. The the the, the rehabilitation project and, and it has been remarkable. And here's the thing that's crazy. I these players, and I'm talking about Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, because I'm going to include Anthony Davis in this. They basically came to their team and said, trade me to this exact one spot. And I've, you know, I, I pinged the Lakers on this for months because I thought they overpaid for Anthony Davis. I've retired that because winning a championship means never having to say you're sorry. So I take my hat off and say, you have your gold trophy. You never have to say you're sorry. But when there's no market, Zach, the bidding shouldn't be like this. Like if I was Brooklyn, the way this is supposed to work in a free market is Brooklyn says to Houston, uh, the guy wants to come play with us. We'll think about what we're going to give to you. That's why they're going to haggle if it ever gets okay. to it. But the same, you know, Rich Paul basically built a wall 
a Stan Van Gundy wall around uh, New Orleans and Los Angeles. He's sl he's slapping away Boston. He's slapping away New York. Slapping away here. Now in the in the Paul George trade, at least um, the Clippers had the extra reality and incentive that they were also getting uh, Kawhi. So that. I have, I'll set that one aside a little bit, but Russell Westbrook said, trade me to Houston Rockets. And they still elicited this, uh, you know? And so this is what's so strange about these types of deals. Um, Chris Paul was not going to go just anywhere. Okay. And they basically empowered Chris Paul, tell us where you'd like to go and we will try to make a deal. And there were other teams that were interested. Um, Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. was interested. I don't know how seriously they were interested, but they were interested. Um, but basically Chris Paul was like, okay, I want to play in Phoenix. <laughs> and so again, it's not like, it's not like Sam Presti is like, hold on. I got, I got Philly. Hold on. I got Detroit. Hold on. I got, I got uh, Portland. I think, the, I think the Knicks kicked it around in a in okay. vague, in vague terms. At least. But I'm just saying like, nothing. there's serious. not, there, and that's, that's what's so remarkable about these, about these trades that are yielding these huge returns is it's a closed market. It's they're all these teams are bidding against themselves. Um, for Phoenix, the reason I think and, and and the reason I wrote about this trade a week ago is because I was pretty sure it was going to happen. Number one, Devin Booker and Chris Paul decided they wanted to play together. We we will we will see in the future whether that's a good marriage. But there's in, unquestionably that they decide they want to play together. They're represented by the same agency that played a role and. Sam Presti had given Chris permission to talk to other teams. There was no tampering here. They had given permission. So that's one thing. Second thing is they were able to trade for Chris Paul without giving up their three best players, arguably their four, four best players, but certainly in my view, their three best players, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, um, and Bridges, who I think acquitted himself in Orlando as being one of their three best players. Now, Oubre was not in Orlando, there are lots of uh, Ubre fans in Phoenix that could be debatable. I'm not interested in getting to debate, but they were able to do that without dramatically hurting, hurting themselves. And they have the 10th pick in this draft. Can we just point out for a second that Kelly Ubre made Valley boys, hashtag Valley boys, a thing. Then they made a Jersey that says the Valley. Then they had Kelly Ubre pose with a horse and a Lamborghini in an old West Town to promote the Valley jerseys. And then they traded his ass before he got to wear the Valley jerseys in a single game. It just, it just needs to be I, I, said. Again, I mean, this it is, just needs to be said. Well, the marketing department doesn't work in the same room as the as the basketball operations department. Um, the other thing is that it's part of this reality. Robert Sarver needs a W. Okay even though the way they structured this trade, they could have spent more money. Um, they could have spent their free agent money and then done this trade and then had cap space and, um, and then traded for Chris Paul. Now, maybe they have a deal in place with Dario Saric. And, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've heard they re-fell in love with Saric in okay. the bubble when he became so, their backup five, among other things. Okay, so if they were going to re-sign Saric, then it, wouldn't, then it maybe it doesn't make a difference. Um, because they wouldn't have had necessarily space then. But let me just say, this is a win for Robert Sarver. It's a win for, by the way, like they're still significantly under the cap. It's not like Robert Sarver soared into the luxury tax here, but he did take on the highest paid player in the league. So you have to say that. I mean, it, you know, it's a win for him. Um, it's a win because they needed to send Devin Booker a message. I mean, there are teams out there that were, you know, we, we were talking about Bradley Beal and stuff like that. There were teams that had, that had uh, on the horizon had Devin Booker. This pushes that way off. 
And frankly, they just renovated their, I mean, nobody wants to talk about this. They just renovated their arena. And frankly, they need to sell tickets in that arena. Someday, hopefully this year, there will be people that want to come in and the Suns need to sell tickets. They need a business win too. It checks all those boxes. And that's why I wrote about this trade because I was pretty sure it was going to happen. Uh, and Chris Paul wanted to play in the West, wanted to play relatively close to his family in Los Angeles, can play golf all year round and wanted to play, was interested in playing with Devin Booker. Now, in cold calculating terms, okay, it's usually not the best idea to trade assets out of your timeline. Hashtag timeline for the Suns fans. Like, there, I think people in the euphoria of Chris Paul going to Phoenix, and we'll get there because I think this is a good trade for Phoenix. I think the Suns will be good next year. I think people are underestimating the opportunity cost a little bit. Like, that pick matters, okay? Whether Whatever it turns into being, it matters. And now they don't have cap space this summer. They won't have cap space next, or it's not summer now. They don't, whatever now is, they don't have cap space next off season. How's the cap space game working out for them? No, let me finish. They won't have cap space in 2021, and then and then Chris's deal expires, and they won't have cap space in the summer of 2022 either, because or they may have just a little bit, depending on a few things, because Aiton's cap hold kicks in and Bridges' cap hold kicks in. And by the way, each one of Bridges' arms should have a separate cap hold. They should be paid <laughs> separately as separate entities because that they're, they're entities in uh, unto themselves. And so, like, look, you're right. Is Phoenix is has Phoenix gotten the premier free agent ever? No, but there is some sort of flat, like fl- the the best teams. Every asset is held near and dear, and you churn it and churn it and churn it, and then bam, at the right time, you strike. All of that said, Mister Windhorse, is this a better idea than signing Tyson Chandler to impress Lamarcus Aldridge? Yes, is this, this is a better the, all, deal. Then? All of that said, sometimes it's cool to just have some fun, and like Chris Paul is awesome. I think what happened in the bubble was at least like 70% real. Like they got an easy schedule. They caught some breaks, but they blew the crap out of the easy schedule when it was in front of them. I think they're rising and I think they're going to make the playoffs next year. Which they haven't done for one decade. And Chris is a good, good leader. He'll, he'll teach good habits. Like my concern now is like they need to find a few more defenders, I think, to round out everything around bridges. Now Aiton made huge strides. Is he really ready to anchor a great defense all on his own time will tell. I think they can, if, if they're using bird rights on Sarich, I think they need to aim the mid-level exception at, at a, another center or uh, a th- another three and D guy who can maybe play up at power forward a little easier. Like Jay Crowder comes to mind. Jamichael green comes to mind. If they could steal Jakob Pertle, I, I doubt they can get him for that. Um, those are some of the names that came to mind, but I, I think this team's going to be good. And they asked me on the jump today, what's their ceiling next year? What would your answer to that question be? Seven or eight seed? I went higher. Okay. I went went fifth or sixth. Now, the ceiling term I take very seriously is like everything has to go right for you and a lot of has to go wrong for like a lot of other people. So here's the West next year. I think there's a clear top four. Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets, Warriors. Then there's a drop off. And if you told me well, Houston is clearly in flux. No one knows what the hell that team's going to be. So let's okay, just throw... OKC and Houston are going to be out, probably. Let's just throw them aside. Then there's a little drop-off. And if you told me that one of Utah, Dallas, and the Blazers, somehow through injury or just getting into a morass, had a slightly disappointing season next year, Porzingis is already missing the start of the season. 
Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. By the way, that, so is so is Jaron Jackson probably. I'm I'm lower on Memphis for next season than most people are anyway. But I'm I'm actually quite bullish on the Blazers with Nurkic back healthy. I think they'll tweak their roster. I think they'll sniff around some interesting stuff. But like I don't think it's crazy that the Suns get up to sixth and even contend for fifth if if okay. things go right and they shore up their defense. I think this is going to be a good team. I just saw some people saying, well, what is this, just to make seventh or eighth? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Because number one, Devin Booker really wants to make the playoffs. Don't overlook that. Number two, I encourage anybody out there who sort of passes this off as, oh, I don't know. Go go to Minnesota. Go to, go to a game in Minnesota. I have. I've been to games in Minnesota recently. Go to games in Sacramento. Go tell me how you think how you think life is there. That's the way it is in Phoenix. Phoenix is a sleeping giant. Sometimes it's nice to have a little fun. They didn't give up anything that cripples you in this trade. Like Rubio wasn't part of the long-term plan, so I feel so bad for Ricky Rubio. He's a good player. He's just he's sort of just the transitional player. Yeah. So uh, I I think uh, I think uh, they'll flip. I think so by the way they're holding they're holding Danny Green, Rubio, and Ubre. I think there's a good chance all three of them get traded. Although I think Rubio longest longest out um because you know they don't mind playing with multiple guards even though it's a new coach i don't think it'll be that different um i think that you know i've heard um uh people say well i don't know what danny green's value is my sense is that oklahoma city has confidence they can move danny green and quickly if they needed to they don't have to move quickly and phoenix was talking to other teams about Uber within the last few days. Yeah, there, um, there were there were three team, there were multi-team machinations going on with this. I want to say them, but I but I won't, Zach, because I'll get aggregated and I'll get in trouble. Well, the Daniel Green one is interesting because they could for sure get a couple of seconds for him at the trade deadline. I think if he shoots it, if he has one of his Danny Green, he's shooting 43% from three and looking frisky seasons, they might maybe be able to squeeze out a first and knowing Oklahoma city, that's what's going to happen. He's going to do what he's going to go there. He's going to shoot. He's going to be shooting 51% from three at the trade deadline. And like, they'll get a first for him because this is apparently what happens. Um, I think Phoenix is going to be a lot of fun next year. I don't mind this trade for them. It's an absolute home run sequence of events for the thunder. It's absolutely, it's ridiculous. Uh, give me your quick thoughts on Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers. They almost traded for him at the deadline in 2019 and didn't. There's been a lot of interest there for a while. The Lakers have wanted for a while to get, and I know they're very different players, but, but Rob Palenka has been very interested in Schroeder and very interested in Derrick Rose. And, um, you know, uh, frankly, <laughs> Schroeder's spot-up numbers are <laughs> better than Danny Green's. Um, he might end up being a, an equal replacement to him, uh, uh, you know, as a perimeter spot-up shooter, um, LeBron really likes his game. LeBron's wanted to play with him for a while. Like I said, they almost traded for him before. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, he's a trade asset. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened last year when the Lakers were hunting at midseason for doing something, they just didn't have much to trade because they'd used so much, so many assets. Um, well, they're going to sign a player. With their with their taxpayer mid level, whoever that is, my my assumption will be will be a good contributor, and they're going to have Schroeder. Not that I want to trade him already, but I'm just saying, like you know, and they're going to have KCP, um, who I think that they're going to resign to uh, to a healthy number. Um, so they're going to they're going to rebuild their asset base. That's why I like it. I like it. I think Schroeder is uh, will help them in that regard. Um, 
I'll be interested to see what happens with Kyle Kuzma between now and December 21st, which is the extension deadline, to see whether or not the Lakers either get a deal done or decide that they want to move on there. So I saw our mutual friend Kevin Pelton, the great Kevin Pelton, I believe gave this trade a C for the Lakers uh, and a better grade than that for the Thunder. Um, and a couple other smart people that I like to read, like Seth Partnow from The Athletic, were pretty low on it. Um, I Maybe I'm missing something. I, I was much more bullish than that on this trade for the Lakers. Well, um, I also think uh, relying on Rondo to have another year like that, that was uh, that would have been a little bit pushing it. Well, I just think teams of like the Lakers with two players making whatever gazillion dollars, they just don't have means to get a 26 or 27-year-old player in his prime who's actually good. And we can argue a lot about what Dennis Dennis Schroeder is. Is he fool's gold? Is Was last year an outlier? Maybe to some degree it was in three-point shooting. But like he can play and he can create shots and he's unafraid of the moment. And he's he's fast. He's athletic. He's young. Like You just can't get guys like that that easily. And I do think they sold pretty high on Danny Green. Like, I don't, like, he was shaky in the playoffs. Yes, he was injured. Like, I don't, like, Danny's 33. The wheels are going to fall off at some point. I still think he can help teams and will next year. Um, The 28th pick is is the Lakers have killed the end of the draft. Maybe that hurts a little bit. I just think a, a guy who can play with LeBron, take some of the ball handling load off LeBron, hit spot up threes. He'll dial in on defense more than he has on some other teams. I thought he, he tried to dial in a little bit last year. Uh, and if there's one thing we learned, again, we were reminded of from this last playoff run, like LeBron makes all these perimeter dudes so much better. Like they all shoot better. They all have more room to drive. They all get the ball in the right places. They all put like, they all yeah, uh, play well KC, off of him. KCP is going to be like example 17 of wing players that are going to get taken care of because they play with LeBron. No offense to KCP, but that's essentially what happened. So I, I just, I, I like, you know, sometimes you just need a little juice and like, like Rondo gave him some juice, just sort of some North South, get into the paint and make stuff happen. Juice. Caruso Rondo was amazing in Orlando yeah. and, and everybody, including his own Laker teammates under true serum would tell you that. It, no, amazing. And Caruso can do it now and then, but Schroeder can really, really do it. And I, I, I was more bullish on this trade. Um, and they still have Kuzma there either to keep or to use as a trade asset. So I liked it for both teams. I liked it more for the Lakers than, than people seem to have. I think it's a good move for them. Well, Dennis we, Schroeder's value is higher than Danny Green. Would you well, agree with that statement? No question. Okay, well, he's then, 20, he's, he just turned twenty-seven. Okay, I think. so what are we talking about, gentlemen? We're talking. I mean, I mean, we're talking about the twenty-eighth pick. Let's let's take a look at this draft. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's fine. Well, this is just day one. Um, we will reconvene after day two, which is also the day before the NBA draft. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, even if not much actually happens tomorrow, we will all hear lots of stuff that may or may not happen on Wednesday at the draft. Um, and then, of course, 48 hours after that or less than that, free agency starts. So uh, buckle up, get some rest. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we will reconvene tomorrow night. Brian Windhorst, uh, your work is second to none. You host, you host the Hoop Collective podcast with a rotating cast of characters and curmudgeons. Thank you for a little time, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks, Zach.